Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Undivided, episode number 53, which is brought to you by Audible.com, our sponsor. That's Audible.com, the world's leader in spoken audio, audiobooks, online periodicals and speeches for all things spoken audio it's audible.com head on over to audible.com after the show this evening and in the menu box to the right there's a drop down box enter life coach radio network for a chance to win some cool prizes and a free 30-day trial of audible.com that's audible.com the sponsor of our program undivided here on the life coach radio network and welcome in everyone we are live here uh, it's 7 o'clock on the East Coast, where I am in New Jersey, and it is Wednesday, September the 4th in the year 2019. And the disclaimer for tonight's show, the views of episode number 53 of Undivided, Rising from Grief, may not necessarily be the views of myself as coach, Frank Chimidari, my special guest this evening, Namrata Mathur and may not necessarily be the views of the Life Coach Radio Network. And now that we move forward from the disclaimer, welcome everyone into our program here this evening. And, you know, this evening's program is a subject that we've all faced in our lives. Everyone at some point or another invariably will be faced with some sort of grief, some sort of tragedy, some sort of tragic circumstance in our lives. And it's how we deal with it and how we react to it that's very key and quite often defines the pathway of our lives, the journey that our lives take, our reactions to those stimuli and those events, the painful events of life, how we either cope with them or rise to meet them or maybe at times run away are all ways in which this episode tonight is going to delve into the effect of grief on a person or a group of people, on a family, on a marriage, on other relationships, maybe sibling relationships. The societal way to cope is going to be explored. You know, how how does society want us to deal with problems, with tragedies, with situations of grief? The mental, emotional, even physical toll that can take for someone who's either has a long-term illness themselves or is a caregiver. We're going to speak about that. What's the role of corporations and small businesses with jobs and work and people trying to deal with tragedies and grief in their lives? Can it be better? Can it, can it be changed? These are all things we're going to explore. And people's views on personal tragedies and family illnesses, you know, whether or not it's just a quote-unquote part of life, uh, whether or not it's um, people trying to take advantage of situations to maybe miss work, uh, other issues that could come up, maybe people feel no one's sympathetic to them while they're going through some of those things, and that may cause them to react a certain way. 
And we're also going to uh, speak about, excuse me, the uh, power of art, especially poetry, and the cathartic nature of that in healing some of those wounds. And with us this evening to guide this conversation, I'm so, so honored and blessed to have her as a part of the program, Namrata Mathur. As I mentioned earlier, she was born and raised in India. Her parents were convinced that in order for her to achieve success, that America was the place for her to do so. Uh, her parents were really advocates for her goals, her ambitions, and she came here to the United States and attended Clark University in Worcester, Massachusetts. She earned her bachelor's degree in psychology from there and then went on to obtain her master's in business administration from Boston University. She currently works as a technology strategist for a healthcare organization and is a poet in her spare time series of the poetry comes to poets on the program tonight. She discovered a passion for coaching when she achieved her coaching certification from IPAC as I did. Uh, Namrata is a empowerment coach. She specializes in helping people rise from grief and find their true passion. Uh, Namrata has also uh, used poetry to heal and to show people that they could turn darkness into light. Her own poetry got her through some of her own difficult times. She's going to share that tonight. She lives in Massachusetts with her husband and two children. Namrata, welcome to Undivided. Good evening, Frank, and thank you so much for that most gracious introduction and for your time today and for all the viewers that are logging in and tuning in to be able to hear us uh, intersect this this evening. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for um, your enthusiasm and coming aboard. And I've been looking forward to this show on a personal level for a really long time. I know we've talked about <laughs> it for a while. Um, yes. And so I'm, I'm really happy that, that tonight is the night and um, uh, I can hear you okay. Hopefully you can hear me loud and clear. I can hear you very well, and I'm hoping uh, you don't have any background noise on my end. But, yes, I can absolutely hear you, and I am absolutely thrilled to be here, truly. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Um, yeah, there is a slight delay. You'll get used to it as we roll along. Um, the first uh, section of the show, the first segment, if you will, is the divide segment. For those who listen to the show often, they, they're aware for those – that have and it's we look at the divide in society on the, the topic. So in some of that I touched in on the introduction of the show. You know, people handle things differently and, and quite often are not themselves, you know, quote unquote, when they're dealing with a tragedy or a tragic circumstance. Um, often the other people in their lives can struggle to relate to them, to that person while they're going through maybe some of those difficulties in those situations. Uh, what can you share from your experiences that could help the audience? Sure, Frank. Thank you for that question. Um, so as far as, you know, we talk about the self, right? So the self, in my perception, is an ever-evolving being. We are, we are basically evolving every day. We are, um, you know, learning and growing and changing. But we're most likely going to encounter uh, feelings and emotions that we've gotten used to, a set pattern, you know, a response with sort of being happy, potentially disappointed, uh, moderately sad. 
when you hit the moment of tragedy, right, that is a trigger that accelerates you so quickly to find these feelings and emotions that you know you have inside of you, but you haven't really had to encounter them yet, right? So there's a, a, a deep shock and then there's denial and, and grief and sort of, you know, you're in throngs of pain that you don't know how to get yourself out of. That acceleration is sort of the differential between you and your environment, and that's what changes the self, right? It brings you, brings upon you um, a whole new reality. It's almost like if you think about it, it's like having a home with a room that's closed, locked, and dark. You know, it exists, but in your mind, your mind's view of your home doesn't necessarily account for that room, right? So you, you hit tragedy, you turn the lights on in that dark sort of room. It changes the shape, not only of the real estate of your mind, but now also expands what you're capable of understanding, of your own emotions. And that's where I think the differential sets in. Um, that's the reason why people around you don't feel like you are yourself. Uh, and, and you sort of accelerate into places of understanding deep emotions uh, that don't necessarily come through on a daily basis. That really is, is sort of my perception of, of why people think you're not yourself. And um, you're sort of reacting to a world that has been opened up for you. Your part of pain is yours alone uh, and your reactions to that pain are your alone and thereby the differential. It's a very good explanation, I think, for the audience too because you know, they'll say, well, I, I don't feel like myself. I've even said that myself, you know, sometimes I say, I don't feel like, you know, my old self today, um, especially when I've gone through certain situations in my life. Um, Yep. And I'm trying to cope with them. The example of the dark room is is a very telling. Um, there is an emotional, um, a mental, even a physical toll that, you know, as I touched on the open, either a long-term illness, excuse me, or being a caregiver for someone that has an illness or a physical disability or maybe is bed-bound or homebound can be really draining. It can It can divide marriages and families. So this is a two-part yep. question. First is, why does that happen? Mm-hmm. And then what could be done to alter this negative energy to focus on healing? That's a great question. And so in terms of, um, you know, and, and it's such an, a vital question. Your first part of that question is so vital to what comes after, right? Being a caregiver mm-hmm. is definitely, you know, it's, it's a very lofty task in some cases. Now, I'm going to start with the basic human need, right? We are basically born to be happy and to be free. If you go down to the core of why human beings are dissatisfied, it's usually when you take away freedom and you take away some semblance of what you consider as happiness, right? Um, when you go through a tragic event and when you go through uh, becoming a part of somebody else's tragedy, for example, and you are bound by your love for that person, you, you get entangled into sort of a web of emotions that the first call to action is to give, to take care, to love, to uplift, to do all of these things. And as you are participating in that process, you somewhere down the road are also losing your own freedom, right? So it's that, that inverse relationship where your love triumphs over everything, uh, you know, in the moment, and yet the baseline freedom is taken away from you. Um, This is for core caregivers, families that become primary caregivers, right? So some people find the way out of that by by engaging caregivers so that they can continue to be a family member. And where that's not possible to do 
you sort of start to feel shackled over time. And as soon as you take away the freedom and potentially some elements of, of uh, you know, anxiety or negativity set in for the caregiver, uh, there becomes this boundary that your mind starts to draw for you. You get urged to want to be happy again. You get provoked to want uh, something for yourself out of this process. That can create a certain level of negativity uh, that you have to encounter and you have to sort of feel those feelings and make a decision on how you want to help yourself and thereby help the person that you are helping that is truly going through uh, a situation. Now, if you are the person actually dealing with a tragic event, um, you know, you are already bound because of the fact that you've hit a moment in your life where you're not really whole, as, as you know of yourself. So it's an, a readjustment. Um, and, and so in both those cases, being a caregiver or being the person that's going through that tragic event, you are losing freedom and thereby losing some level of happiness potentially having negativity set in and a reset is required in order to be able to, um, you know, to come out of those shackles that the mental boundaries of your, your uh, participation in the other person's pain and your need to be free. So that would be part one of, of the question, uh, Frank. Now, I think mm -hmm. the second part was, was what can we do about it? Was that sort of, if you could just repeat the second part of the question for me, it would be very helpful. Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I was going to do it. Thanks for asking that. Uh, what could be done to alter this negative energy and focus on healing? Um, yeah, you know, and again, a great question because a lot of times we also don't give ample attention to the mental angst, you know, how the mind of the caregiver changes. You're so focused on the person going through the tragic event that the caregiver themselves is going through a metamorphosis that needs to be uh, reviewed and focused, and, and you need to sort of understand the growth pattern of that person is changing too, right? So they were expecting their life to move in a certain trajectory, and now all of a sudden, we've changed the path on this person, um, there's a mental toll, and that has to be organized, reviewed, um, attention needs to be given in that space. In some cases, I think coaching can be very, very powerful. Um, you know, as you know, and I do, in, in coaching formats, we take people from feeling sort of functional to maybe optimizing their opportunity, and even if it is a change in the opportunity set, how do you disentangle from those mental shackles to find freedom again in the middle of your uh, sort of caretaking capabilities towards the person that you love uh, and finding that balance, right? That is really, I would say, the embodiment of rising from grief because each person in that situation is certainly in some format of grief and rising from it. Um, so coaching is definitely one way to do it. Uh, and, and in other cases where uh, things need to be more functional or, uh, you know, the cut is deeper, uh, we have therapy uh, and then we have sort of a family and we have friends. But the, the place that I usually go to when I'm working with somebody that's going, that's inside of this circumstance is, is the focus remains that person. And we as a people like to problem solve so much that sometimes we don't leave any space for the person to just be. So I think starting with uh, giving attention, finding a place for the person to just be and unravel, uh, and then possibly uh, creating sort of a, a format for coaching uh, is a great way in my perception to try to help someone get out of those, those mental boundaries. Sure. It's just uh, letting, letting people just be, we've talked about that on previous episodes and, and also, you know, actively listening. 
there's some people that listen to try and solve problems. There's all different yes. ways of listening, right? You're either listening because you're, you're waiting to, you know, this is what I'm going to say when I get my chance to speak, and that's what you're thinking about, or you're listening, you know, because you want to provide a solution to a problem. Sometimes people just need to be, they need to vent, and you need to be there just to actively listen to them, listen for, you know, the energy that's coming across. And, and you know, everyone's journey is unique and as valuable as any other's journey. That was one of the foundational principles, you know, and it, thinking about, you know, happiness and is not having, you know, what you want. It's wanting what you have. So there's a couple of different ways of, of looking at that. But we're right at 15 minutes. We're going to take our, our first stop of the evening here, episode 53, Rising from Grief. We'll be back in just a moment. But first, some upcoming show promotions for you here on the networks of Life Coach Radio. Replenish Me. Replenish Me is the series. Cordelia Gaffar is the host. Cordelia Gaffar. Replenish Me. New episode coming your way one week from tonight. That's Wednesday, September the 11th, live at 7 p.m. on the Life Coach chat channel. Please check out our website for further details on that episode. You remember Cordelia was a guest on this show, the uh, Being an American Muslim episode, which was so riveting and powerful. Replenish Me is the series Cordelia Gaffar, the host, Wednesday, September the 11th, live at 7 p.m. on the Life Coach chat channel. And let's raise some money tonight. We thank uh, Audible.com for being our sponsor. But as the rain is hitting the windows here, and I can hear it over my, over my headphones, uh, Hurricane Dorian sits off the coast, as we're all well aware, and has taken its toll on the Bahamas uh, particularly. Let's raise some money tonight for those in need. Catholic Charities, 800-919-9338. Again, that's Catholic Charities, 800-919-9338 www.salvationarmyus.org. That's the salvationarmyus.org. Enter your zip code to donate in your local community. Or enter the zip code maybe in Florida or the Carolinas or Georgia, somewhere you want to help someone in need there. Or enter the poorest zip code in your state. Donate to those in most desperate need. And we're back here on Undivided, episode number 53, Rising from Grief. And when we went to our stop, we were talking about the role of caregiving, the drain that that can be for people, how to refocus our energies, maybe alter our energy. But American society is to blame, too, as we're looking at different divisions within this topic. And American society is unforgiving, you know, to people that go through personal issues or family tragedies, you know, generally speaking, you know. The prevailing sentiment is that people are trying to overplay the situation, quote, unquote, maybe to take advantage of employers or to get other benefits. So can this sentiment not be changed? And if so, how? Yeah, I, I do believe it can be, right, Frank? So I feel like it's a relevant point. And while, you know, human beings have the tendency to, to doubt and judge, to me, when you really simplify it, right, it comes down to being comfortable with questioning. We as a society have raised uh, the bar so high on privacy and, and not having the ability to have open conversations, be it, you know, in your workplace, be it with your family. We, we put our guards up so early in life that we are, we are running away from actually actively 
questioning a situation. And I feel like if you are able to build a non-judgmental format of interaction, and if you are comfortable with asking questions, you drop those barriers and thereby, excuse me, you don't have to hide behind sort of you know, the prevailing sentiment of, oh, I can't ask, so it must be this way. And if it is this way, let me take it to the next level and conjecture with what I think it is. And I think I'm being played while all this time I don't even have the actual facts because I couldn't ask a question. So when you take it back to the basics, I feel like our unforgivingness and all of these sentiments that come through are our way of running away or denying the fact that we need to come closer as people we need to be a little bit more inclusive. We need to be okay with, with being questioned, right? So the sensitivity has to be dropped. And we need to share freely so that the empathy and the sympathy um, you know, spectrum can be really sort of brought into play where I can understand why you are where you are, what you might be feeling, and it will provoke a side of me to help you without judgment. And that judgment will prevent us from making up this you know, bubble of a thought that it must be this way, it must be overplayed, it's being, you know, all of those things. I'll be honest with you, Frank, I, I came all the way from India to the United States. And I find you know, the United States to be a very, very forgiving, uh, loving, kind, inclusive place, you see. So it's also a matter of your perspective. It's sort of where you were, where you are. And this has nothing to do with India not being this way. I just grew up here. So this is what I know. I was very young when I came here. Um, and I sometimes get sensitive. I'm like, you know what? We are in the one of the best countries in the world. And if we just became a little less sensitive around dropping the, the boundaries a little bit, I think we could be in a much better place of understanding, which will take away from all of these sentiments that we carry inside of us. It's a very important point, you know, living your truth too, you know. Some people are are really private people and, and that's that's fine, that's prerogative. But, you know, at certain points I've shared certain things about my own life and about things that I've either gone through or overcame. And, and I found that it, it really brings people together uh, more than, you know, the opposite, right? And it, I and it totally agree with that. that. You know? Yeah, yeah I right? Totally so it's, you, you know, go ahead. No, sorry. I was going to just uh, throw in there a quick example from my own life, right? So I, I know uh-huh. we've talked about this a little bit, and I feel like it's a relevant time to bring in my own situation because I can tell you, Uh, I work for corporate America and I am the daughter of parents that are extremely proud of what I've done as a person, right? So a a girl child grew up in India, moved to the U S and made my way through over here. um, And extremely close to my father. I mean, the absolute true North of my existence six years ago, he had a cardiac arrest and has incurred a brain injury since then. And we have been taking care of him. So all of the topics today are relevant to my own life. And I can tell you, in sharing freely came all the wonder of support that I have received from every avenue in my life here in the U.S. Um, I was never sensitive about sharing. I was always happy to share with the with the positive sort of onset of my next steps to say, you know, this is where, this is my pot of pain. This is what it looks and feels like. This is what I go through. 
My poetry frees me uh, from the shackles of my own pain. And this is what I plan to do with, with the pain that I go through with my situation. And every person I've ever reached out to has only been sort of empathetic where they knew what I was going through or sympathetic. Um, and I've covered that entire spectrum. Uh, and I have never once felt like people thought I was overplaying it or any of that. So in, in honest sharing comes a level of unity that you cannot take for granted. Uh, and I think it helps all of the judgment to be in one corner and true support to move you forward. Yes, thank you for sharing that, Tim, you know, taking that example. And, and, and it's a great uh, testimony to being and living authentically and being genuine, right? And that authenticity comes through. And I think that that really helps. Um, you've mentioned corporate America, large companies, which I've you know, touched on the corporate and business impact that some of us has. Large companies have programs to help employees going through personal tragedies or different issues, you know, uh, the leave of absence, the family medical leave, um, different mechanisms like that jump to mind. Most small businesses do not or may not. How does this impact the person in the business is the first part, and can it be changed? Yeah, I mean, I think this is this is a question that brings in so many dimensions of the way we work today, right? So the way we come together and, uh, you know, goes back to our work ethic as a people um, and, and our time spent with each other in breaking boundaries. But I think to be specific to the question you're asking, you're absolutely right. I think large corporations do have more financial means to afford programs that people can utilize um, and, and hopefully leverage to be able to be whole again or to be optimal again um, or even be functional in, in cases where they're going through difficult times. Um, is there a way for us to compensate the same for smaller businesses? I, I am absolutely sure that many small businesses that don't have the capability to provide these types of programs, you know, definitely have challenges that they have to go through on a daily basis. But I feel like, you know, there's something to be said about, and this is not a way to solve for it, but there is something to be said about developing a, a focus on well-being, to come together as a small business to to increase sort of you know that scale of understanding and non-judgment and openness and well-being and all sorts of inclusive uh you know settings that you can really partake in to be able to at least collaborate help and understand Many, many times outside of, I mean, there are many times that you do need to use FMLA and you actually need to utilize the programs uh, because you may not get time off from work, um, but it compensates itself in a smaller place where you've developed such good relationships that when you do need to take that time off from work, somebody else will sort of back you up and potentially allow you that time and space to be able to be whole again. So each side has sort of uh, pros and cons. And I feel like in terms of uh, provisions that a large company can make, it's very hard to compare that to what a small company can potentially do financially, especially, you know, the smaller businesses that are still rising. But I do feel like we can, to whatever little extent, compensate via uh, creating a culture of inclusiveness, learning, kindness, well-being uh, that allows people the space to really feel their feelings in moments where they have to go through a difficult time and potentially compensate uh, them for that time with you utilizing sort of your peers and other people to help you out. 
So while it doesn't solve for what businesses can really do, I feel like it can encourage businesses to change the narrative on their understanding of, of sort of, you know, difficult situations, tragic situations, and how they can support their people. Yes, very well stated. Yeah, very well stated. It's um, something that it's a work in progress type of thing. But the large companies definitely can you know, have a lot of different mechanisms that can help people. Uh, society overall has to, you know, in America, has uh, you know, a number of things they have to come to grips with when it comes to you know, dealing with grief and, and tragedy, too. You know, the, the common theme that I've seen is, you know, one in America for dealing with pain is to take a pill. Mm. And there's a pill or a drug or a medication for every possible ailment that you can imagine. I mean, turn on the TV, you see all the ads, which, you know, some of that, most of that has consequences, uh, both from a a side effect scenario, right, just within your own physical response. How could we change the perspective on pain, you know, in this country and coping with pain? without pills or medications. Such a relevant point in, in this time today, right? We've got a crisis when it comes to pills at this point. And this point is so, so important from the perspective of wellness and well-being. I think we've become a society of quick fixes, right? So we're looking for uh, a quick fix because it's fast-paced, uh, it's competitive, it, technology is far ahead of us. We're catching up. We are not only digital, but we're digitizing. I mean, there's so much of this influence that's come in that we've sort of drowned out the internal silence with all of the noise that's created around us. So we don't really have time to dig deep, right? We, we, we are not listening to the signal that pain actually is. It's really just a signal for your, your pain body. It's saying there's a misalignment, uh, you need to focus, and you need to align or realign. Um, <clears throat> I'm a big fan of Eckhart Tolle, and I love listening to his whole concept of the pain body. And it's so relevant because, you know, your thought patterns really make you who you are. They guide your actions every day. Uh, and, and you do perpetuate this pain, right? If you're unwilling to change or listen, <clears throat> excuse me, or even introspect, you are not taking the time to let pain do its job, give you a signal so you can realign. In a society that doesn't have time and we've drowned out sort of inside the noise of the externalities, pills work. They work quickly. They fix everything. You're good to go. It's a Band-Aid. You know, big pharma is happy, potentially. You are happy. Uh, Society is sort of moving along. And all of this can be changed dramatically if we take a moment, really just sit back, feel our feelings, right? Engage our mind. Actually listen to our thoughts. Maybe evaluate how every negative thought can be reorganized to find the positive in it. Once we do that, right, we change our thought. Once we renegotiate our thoughts, find the positive, we might actually impact our actions. Like I said before, your thoughts really guide your action. So to feel your feelings and consciously create a self-awareness to say, every time something negative comes up against my frame of mind, I will try to consciously, in a self-aware manner, 
find or seek the positive in it. As soon as we do that and we potentially realign, right, we will start to, you will notice a, a realignment, a, a, you will emanate something that is more positive, that is less negative, right? And, and you will cope and potentially heal. And I'm not saying you can't take a pill if you're in pain. Of course, you have to sometimes because you, you need sort of immediate relief. But it shouldn't be our first mechanism. We shouldn't only just rely on pills. Uh, I think that we can deal with this pain by listening to what we think, what we feel, and, and again, change the dialogue, the internal dialogue to seek the positive, realign the body, and then really understand how we can use pain as a signal and not as something we just have to shut down with a quick fix. Very thorough answer, really, really well planned out, and um, I hope that really helps uh, the audience. I think that it will it's a, a good segue. We're going to the half-hour break now. We're at 7.31, but it's a good segue to the next episode on the 18th. You know, Kara Sachs will be on, and we'll be talking a lot more about this in episode 54, which is going to focus on the stigma around disabilities and people with those types of issues. We'll be back here on episode number 53, Rising from Grief, in a moment. We're at 7.32 here on the East Coast, and it's time for the midpoint of the show break. Money Magic. It's Money Magic. Gol Khan is the host. The series is Money Magic. Tuesday, September 10th. Next episode, live, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Life Coach Chat Channel. Gol does her show live from London, so it's 4 o'clock East Coast time on the Life Coach Chat Channel. Tuesday, September the 10th. It's all about money, the role of money in your life, what it should and should not be. How some people become, quote, unquote, obsessed with money. Some people, that's their guiding. It's everything in their life is all focused towards that, and they're quite often left feeling unfulfilled. There's some great guests, some very, very interesting and powerful solo programs as well. So check out some of our back episodes. It's Money Magic with Gold Khan, Tuesday, September the 10th at 4 p.m. Erica Weederlight, that's Erica Weederlight's show, Mondays, twice a month. It's 11.30 a.m. Eastern, live. It's a morning show on the Life Coach Chat Channel. Erica Wiederlight, Mondays, twice a month, 11.30 a.m. Eastern, on the Life Coach Chat Channel. For more information on Erica, her practice, as you know, she had a long-running show. She took a hiatus. She's been back for a little while. Uh, check out her website. That's wethelight.com, wethelight.com. And speaking of being the light to those who are in darkness, uh, for you or for someone that you know or love, if you're dealing with a situation, a loss, some pain, some tragedy in your life, uh, maybe you lost someone tragically, uh, maybe you just lost a parent or a spouse, maybe you've lost everything you own in a situation like Hurricane Dorian, maybe you've uh, been victim to something in your life that you can't seem to get beyond and you're having thoughts uh, of harming yourself, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. They remind you that you matter. Every person is unique and created by God with unique skills and talents. So please get help. It's 800-273-8255. That's 800-273-8255. So if you're in a really dark place and you can't seem to find the light in your own life, please call. There are people there 
that will listen. There are professionals there to help. 800-273-8255. Samaritan's Purse. That's samaritanspurse.org. They're doing a lot of work for Hurricane Dorian right now. Please uh, look them up on their website or give them a call at 828-262-1980. And we're back here on Undivided as we go to the second half of our program of Episode 53, Rising from Grief. I'm going to open the phone lines now. 646-716-9397 is the number to call. Again, 646-716-9397 to call with a question or comment for Namrata or myself. I've been checking the, the email address. It's undivided show. That's undivided, S-H-O-W at gmail.com. Or you can DM me on Twitter at F-M-A-D-U-R-I. So we're back here on Undivided, and we're about to enter the point of the program called Bridging the Divide. So now we looked at the divide in society around this topic. Now how do we bridge that? How do we bridge the divide between people who think that personal tragedy, family illnesses are just, quote, unquote, a part of life, as I mentioned in the show intro? With those people who are exaggerating the situation, maybe to gain or try to gain benefits like time off of work or money from a government program. Then there's a group of people who think that people are trying to take advantage of their business by making up personal tragedies that don't exist. And then you have those who have issues, real issues, and feel that no one's sympathetic to them. And then we have this society that has seen a drastic in- increase in depression, in anxiety, and in illness. So I know it's a big question. If you need me to repeat parts of it, I can. But how are we going to do this? You know, there's so many different groups here, and there's so many different ways that we look at this. How, how are we going to do it? Yeah, I think that is that is, a, that is the biggest question, I would say, right? So, um and it's a great question because the fact is everything that creates the divide also fixes the divide when you have an understanding of it, right? So when you develop and create the awareness about the divide, you are then able to dabble in spaces of, of non-judgment. And that is truly, from my perspective, what closes the divide. There's a certain sense of inclusiveness, right? And inclusiveness is not really uh, just a word that talks about including, you know, other people in your thoughts and in your traditions and, you know, in, in everything that you go through. Inclusiveness is an outcome. Inclusiveness is a way of life. Inclusiveness is non-judgment. Um, we, we tend to, um, for the fear of reaching out, you know, we, human beings sometimes can be fearful of reaching out, unraveling, bringing out the raw side of you and putting it in the middle of the table to say, I'm, I'm sort of unraveling, somebody help me. We're not very good about asking for help. We have this certain sense of, of um, you know, we, we close down a bit in the middle of our, our problems, especially those that are problem solvers, especially those that are anchors to their families, especially those of you that potentially feel like you have the responsibility uh, to take on the burdens of the pain that's around you and still show the light, pave the way in positivity. I mean, we are so many of us that come together and play so many different parts, so while my answer may not necessarily reach each and every one of you, know that each person 
is playing a part and doing the best they can do. And inclusiveness as, as a way of life is going to be the first thing that prevents people from isolating their problems and their pain. It, it, it creates a value for the uniqueness we bring to the table as a people. Um, it, it prevents us from having to not ask or not, you know, not engage, basically. And when you do that, when you become inclusive as a people, you are not hiding behind sort of judgment or, or uh, you're not shy from reaching out or you are not increasing the divide. The more the divide increases, the less inclusive you get, the more problematic society gets in terms of not understanding each other. But you break that divide by including and reversing all the things that make up that divide, you will realize that there is actually at the core of all of this a human sentiment of wanting to be happy, wanting to be free, wanting to be sort of heard and together and understood. Now, call me a diehard positive person or so optimistic uh, that I might not be delving into the darker side of this. I can't help myself, right? I've had to come out of places of pain, and it's it, the only way I've done it is through positivity, impact, patience, and non-judgment. And that's all I really know. So from my perspective, understanding the divide, creating a space for inclusiveness, um, understanding, you know, not always being empathetic because we won't really know. I can't understand what you're going through because I'm not going through it, but a basic sort of a semblance of like, okay, life is a journey. Each of us will receive that spot of pain. We will turn on the lights into the dark side of our psyche, and we will have to readjust and resize our emotions to be able to respond to this world in that whole process. If we can be a little bit more inclusive, listen just to listen, not listen to necessarily solve, let people unravel freely and let them seek that coach inside of them that guides them, right? Your true north. How is it that you guide yourself on this journey and where you're not able to do it on your own, find somebody that can help you. Those are all the gifts sort of that we have inside of us that we've got to unravel and each person has to do it organically. This is not a movement that can change because of what you and I say today, Frank, or how we, you know, how we go about our lives trying to evolve in this emotion. It is an organic movement of self-awareness for each person that walks this planet and understands the journey. And slowly we close that divide. What a great answer. And I think that's really going to make people think and self-evaluate how they handle some of those situations and how they perceive certain situations. And again, everyone's so quick to judge. And we've talked about that a lot on this program in the past and the different episodes of the series. And I could fall victim to it myself at points too, that, you know, you have to check yourself almost and say, Hey, look, I can't judge that person. I don't know what they've been through. I haven't been a mile in their shoes, so to speak. And try to understand it more from, you know, where they're coming from. And that yep. that sentiment that we all have of wanting to be happy, you know, nobody likes feeling, you know, depressed or you know, down or, you know, in the throes of, of you know, illness and depression. That's, that's not a real great place to be. Uh, yep. I tend to be a very positive person too, you know, and looking at things, it's, you know, how can we shift people? How can we help them shift 
to a positive mindset. And that's one of the best breakthroughs in coaching, one of the best things that you have to be you know, a sounding board for other people. So how can we do that? How can we be more understanding of people you know, going through those personal tragedies, whether it's at home, you know, with our family, in our workplaces, in our communities, to be more inclusive? Yeah, I think, you know, you encapsulated that so beautifully, Frank. It was so sort of well-stated and succinct because it, it leads us right into bringing into my response to this question all the themes that we've created here, right, which I think you just encapsulated beautifully for us. But I think the, the also the additional uh, aspect or the nugget that I would add there is, you know, coaching, I would say, or, or supporting, right? However you support. So the first part of it is to create that non-judgment and to create a place of unique sort of acceptance of each human pattern to say you are who you are and you bring with you all the gifts that you embody. And how can I help you sort of just you know, become who you need to be as a part of the challenges that you're going through, right? So one part of the answer is to to be sort of sympathetic, empathetic, and accepting in non-judgment and close the divide. The the other way, I would say, is to also understand, right, where a person around you needs to be empowered. And, and I know, you know, we talked a little bit about this uh, in conversation. Empowerment is such an unbelievable uh, outcome that each of us can actually share with those around us. You know, to empower someone really takes nothing but to pick up the this you have to be a sensing human pick up the energetic place where the person is at not everybody can do this and i'm not expecting that we all do this but it's not as difficult right if you just sit back listen for listening let people unravel and understand that to be able to empower them you have to help them disempower the place that they are in right now that is, you know, difficult and sad and grief laden and, and, and just a place that they are going through. Let them feel their feelings. Let them unravel those feelings. Let them come back with themes that allow them to put on the table what they need. And then in conversation, either as a coach or as a family member or as a friend, you engage them in a way where you can disempower things that are not serving them anymore once they are ready to engage in that space, not to solve their issue, but really when there is an engagement in play, you disempower so you can open up some space and allow them sort of the flight that they need to take to create empowerment again. Um, And it can happen through connecting with someone's internal coach just in conversation uh, or by being a friend, a parent, um, you know, by being all sorts of relationships that you are to your surrounding. That's sort of one way that I would, I would reach out. That's very true. I had that um, conversation with somebody uh, recently too, uh, this past week, and they were asking me, we were having a conversation was kind of uh, about coaching because they were interested in it themselves. And they were saying, oh, see, so like you solve people's problems for them. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I help yeah. you. I empower you. Like Namrata just said, like, I ask you questions. I provide feedback. I help you action plan. I help you find those answers that lie within yourself I help you find the space so that you actually can figure it out for yourself. 
I don't tell you you should do this. Coaching's rather different, and it's a different modality. It's a different approach, uh, and and you hit on that beautifully. Is that you know people need to be empowered. They need to empower themselves. They need to connect. Yep. You know their own internal. We talked about the Holy Spirit on the show before. You know spiritual connections. You need to yes. listen to that voice inside. You need to Absolutely. find the space to do that, right? And then that way you, you find the answers for yourself, the answers that are going to make you feel fulfilled and find that fulfillment. You know, poetry has been proven, as we've talked about and I mentioned in the open, it's been proven to help people cope. You know, I've mentioned in another episode of the series, they had a whole study about this, and they, you know, one of the big universities had people that had never written poetry before, and they provided them with materials and and, you know, how cathartic it was and how it helps people cope with many emotions, you know, especially the emotional toll involved in a painful loss and illness tragedy. Could you share your own personal experience of poetry uh, with our audience? Absolutely, would love to. It's a, a place of complete passion for me, both coaching and poetry. And I tell you, um, you know, poetry really for me is, is it's a need. It was an urge. It was something that sort of just happened. It's not, I never ever prior to hitting my uh, moments of pain and tragedy ever knew that I had sort of a poet somewhere inside of me. So another sort of light went on in a room that I knew, you know, maybe was there, but didn't know it existed. So um, poetry for me, Frank, truly was, it was the divine speaking sort of to me and through me. And it was what happened for me as a way to answer questions in moments of absolute darkness where I didn't have any way to explain why I was going through what I was going through. And I can understand now why rhyme and, and poems and, you know, all of what goes into really treating some neurological disorders. Poetry and rhyme are used in many, many formats because they are so successful at helping you disentangle from what holds you down, right? Shackles of pain and uh, feeling bound, you know, inside of your, your pain and grief. Poetry for me was the way out. It was the key to freedom. It was the way to take flight and creativity and allow my soul to sort of disengage from the pain and collect all the painful pieces inside of me, uh, put them on paper and be able to read it back to myself to say that's the answer I was looking for. And I'm not exaggerating this. I truly mean it. It came as a way to answer questions for me in poetic format. And it was a way for me to connect sort of with my internal coach, for me to be able to understand and realize that I'm an empath. I understand energy. I work with it and deal with it without even consciously knowing it. Um, and I need to be empowered again to do it. And in moments where I had nothing left to hang on to for hope, um, poetry was my hope. It was my way out of pain. And I'm working very closely with um, my poetry at this time to develop an offering uh, that brings together poetry and coaching, sort of a self-help guide via poetry and coaching. Uh, and I hope to, you know, release it at some point very early next year. So that's work that is ongoing because I feel like if it helped me the way it did, there's got to be a way to develop a pain spectrum that allows people to go to a certain space, review, you know, words that allow them to maybe disentangle from their own feelings if they don't have the words and to create a coaching 
uh, format that allows them to come through. So I use poetry not only for myself in order to be able to um, therapeutically disengage from my own pain, but I actually use poetry for all of my clients where relevant uh, to be able to allow them to hear words that allow their feelings to formulate. Many, many times people have the feelings, maybe they don't have the words. I hope that my poetry can be those words for people around me. Wow, dynamite stuff. Thank you so much for sharing that. And it's it's a, such a wonderful concept. And I really think you're onto something there with the, the self-help guide and combining, you know, poetry with coaching. You know, someone that I've I've started writing poetry, um, you know, a long time ago. And I wrote a lot of poetry in college. When I was going through college, I really – I got connected with it and spent a lot of time doing that. I think it helped me in that, that kind of your, um, you know, change of life scenario. You know, you're you're kind of going out on your own, coming of age, so to speak. And it helped, you know, navigate some of that and, and some of the feelings involved with being out on your own, you know, away at school, things like that. And yeah. then throughout my life, you know, as things changed and, different obstacles came into the path. It's always helped, you know, for me, I, I would bring, you know, my notebooks with me on business trips. And when I had spare time, I would always be writing poetry. So it really does help. Wow. I, I really think it's an important thing for, for people to, to do to, to you know, come to grips with some of those feelings that you have um, and, and to release some of that. What is the role in coaching? Like we always talk about that at this point in the show, the role of professional coaching in this area, like navigating pain, loss, personal tragedy. How is, you know, your practice and which we'll talk about at the top of the hour, but, you know, as an empowerment coach, how do you help someone with that? What's the role? Sure. Yeah, so I think, you know, and, and it's um, it's a very interesting interaction for me personally, right? So every one of us has our own toolkit, um, and people always ask me, what is your toolkit? And I always say I'm sort of the self-encompassing toolkit when it comes to my coaching. Frank, I coach from a place of total feeling, right? So when somebody is going through grief or a life-changing event, and I coach for much more than grief, right? So this is a place where I've felt like I've succeeded a lot empowering people. Um, and like I said before, you know, I'm, I engage very much upfront in not only seeking to understand and really sort of empathetically and energetically connecting to the energy of, of the person that's sitting next to me to develop and formulate a personal toolkit that is so completely for the person just in front of me. It's not something I intend to reuse. I don't have a lot of formality around the engagement up front. It has to do with connecting with the pain or connecting with the need um, in the moment. I use the empathy that I know sort of is inside of me, the depth that comes through my poetry. I use all of that to be able to connect with the internal coach of the person. We all have that internal coach. Sometimes we listen to that voice. Maybe we don't. Maybe it's been drowned out. When you're inside of pain, you sometimes can drown out sort of that, that voice inside of you that needs to be heard again. So for, for myself particularly, I'm able to seek through inquiry, where the need is, where the starting point is, uh, and then I seek to understand 
the areas that require a re-empowerment as far as the person is concerned. Like you said before, and it was beautifully put, we are all unique. We are all this, this once in a universe wonder, right? This life pattern we have, this format is not something that is going to repeat. And while we may come back in different formats and it all depends on your belief systems, this particular format is so unique to where we are today that it brings with it this amazing sort of uh, classification of, of feelings, emotions, patterns, needs um, that we can utilize as being a coach. So for me, I work to disempower the parts of the person that don't necessarily serve them via conversation and having them coach through it, uh, feel their feelings, talk through their feelings, develop sort of action plans through very, very unique methods, right? I've used, uh, I've, I've actually had conversations where I've told people to just stop talking and start jumping. And we do like 12 jumping jacks. It's to disconnect from that moment of pain. So there's many unique ways in which we can go about um, creating a coaching session that allows people to connect inwards and thereby disempower what they don't need, re-empower parts of themselves, and really sort of take a leap, a mental leap. Remember, after points of pain in your life, and you will go back and when you think about it, you will see that the leap you took right after was far beyond what you could anticipate prior. So I seek to help them leap. And when their heart truly opens up and the pain becomes a treasure, right? When they feel that feeling, when they go through it and treasure it for what it can do for them, when they change the negative into the positive and create self-awareness, when they become inclusive and, and talk and, and reach through and close the divide, all those things come together to create that, that wonderful leap that comes from a place of pain. It, it happens for everyone, so don't lose hope. It always does. It's just a matter of when. And as a coach, my job is to help them aim as high as they can and as far as people can in order to re-engage with what is functional and potentially optimal. Wow. Great stuff. Uh, very well put. And we'll explore that again at the top of the hour. We've come to the common ground segment a few minutes before the top of the hour here. But I think that was a, a, a wonderful definition of what coaching can do to empower and to help people heal. Uh, how do we find common ground to change the mindset and the approach of society and that society has towards handling personal tragedy or pain? and move to a place of non-judgment, healing, and harmony. That's our common ground piece for tonight, yeah. the first steps we can take. Yeah, I think, um, so I think to go back to, uh, just a very, a very quickly go back to the whole conversation about coaching and disengaging, right? I think the common ground comes from an organic self-awareness, right? An organic movement of each person explores something inside of them that allows them to be more uh, tolerant, right? To be more inclusive, to be less judgmental. Take those few minutes before you jump to judgment and say, must I really, you know, could I not just be kinder right now? It's a very basic sort of uh, format, right? This answer from my perspective is, is not as complex because we as human beings are a complex set of feelings, emotions, and, and we sort of sometimes thrive in complexity 
But my job as a coach, as a human, as a friend, as a person is to reverse that dialogue, is to really go against the grain and simplify. If I could do one thing through this life format and for my coaching clients specifically, it's to actually simplify. You know, the more we dabble in complexity, the less you find yourself and the less you create space inside of you. So the first thing would be to simplify and organically become tolerant, inclusive, aware, educated um, on, on just, you know, different things people go through in their lives and connect back the dots, right? Every one of us has been through something difficult. That is just the way life is. If we can remember that difficulty and not become, uh, you know, not become from that difficulty a person who enjoys seeing other people in the same difficulty, but become that person that says, you know, I've been there, it really hurts. Let's come together, make it better. Let's actually try to close the gap if we can. Let's not pass the pain buck forward. Let it stop with me. If we can do that, if the buck stops here in terms of helping somebody through their pain, then it includes uh, inclusiveness and tolerance and non-judgment and love. And as soon as you hit the place of love, Frank, that's where the whole dialogue changes, right? Because at the end of all of this, and if for anyone that's energetic or connected to their energy bodies or you know, every human format, in fact, every format on this earth that lives around us thrives in love. And that's the ultimate place we try to go to through this journey. The minute we hit that place where the first emotion is potentially love as a result of tolerance, and this could be in any format, right? It could be at your workplace, at home, with your team, with your people. The moment you speak from a place of love, the dialogue is changing the divide is closing, and that right there is your common ground. It's true. It's very true. You know, I've made that analogy on the show before. You know, my favorite TV show of all time was The West Wing, and in that show, you know, a couple of the characters really struggled with things. And there was one episode where, you know, they're talking about it, and he said, you know, when a man falls in a hole and everyone walks by him, you know, he's yelling for help and somebody throws money down to him. A priest says a prayer, he keeps going. There's a whole example. And then his best friend comes down, he hears him yelling, he jumps down in the hole with him. He says, Are you crazy? Now we're both down here. He says, No, I've been down here before and I know the way yeah. out. Oh. So it's beautiful. If, if we share that right with each other, like I've been there. You know, yep. and it and it yep. hurts, and I understand. Let me yep. help you through this. You know, a hundred. And if we start having conversations like that, right? Then that, you're right. Things are going to change. You know, and that's yes. how we're going to find common ground on that, and live in harmony, and and live undivided with each other. So, Namrata, I understand. Uh, I want you to talk about your practice. And so we also talked about uh, some of your poetry. Um, and so now at the top of the hour, we're at 801 here on the, and Rod and I are both on the East Coast tonight. So we're on the East Coast. Um, thank you for being with us this evening uh, for all the listeners out there. Uh, I would like for you to share that at this point, you know, how we can get in contact with you, uh, how the listeners can, you know, reach out to you. Uh, how, you, sure. how you plan to share some gifts with us? 
Thank you, Frank. Thank you for the opportunity. It has been the most uh, fulfilling hour, I would say, uh, in a very long time. You know, the outreach, your kindness in bringing me into the show, and just the very thought-provoking questions you bring to the table. You know, answers are only as good as the questions, and your questions were fantastic. So thank you for that. Um, in terms of oh, being able you. to – it's it's true. I really do mean it from the bottom of my heart. So um, – in terms of reaching me, uh, in, you know, the best way to reach me is actually through my email address. My website is, is, is going through a little bit of a change. We're trying to be inclusive of my blogs and other things. So while it's under construction, I would greatly appreciate people reaching out to me on my email address, which is nemrata, that's N-A-M-R-A-T-A, the number one at yahoo.com. That would be the best way to reach me immediately and um, I will socialize the website once it's under once the construction is done, uh, maybe through your network or, you know, uh, through social media. So the best way to reach me would be Nimrata1 at yahoo.com. I'm also on LinkedIn okay. um, as Nimrata Mather. Oh, nice. Uh, Nimrata also, you know, uh, maybe some of the um, services you provide, uh, Things sure. that maybe you've helped with people on. Absolutely. So I uh, I seek to coach. Um, it's a place of great passion for me. Uh, my services really sort of run the spectrum from life events, uh, grief and pain, right to really optimizing your life opportunity, even if it's at work. That's another area where I feel like I've. Uh, made an impact or, or enjoyed sort of the interaction where it's it's transferred through to my clients and there've been good optimal outcomes is seeking their passion right finding your passion finding maybe the next job uh, finding you know where you want to be a few years from now to fulfill this life opportunity I enjoy uh, relationship coaching quite a bit uh, you know you know with two people if it has to be in a multi-part format um, I also you know, aim to coach life uh, events for people that allow them, that, that sort of block them, right? So it's a grand spectrum of life events, but the specialty is empowerment and, you know, coaching to rise from pain or tragedy uh, works well because it's a personal it's a personal contact as far as I'm concerned, right? I sort of understand and, and touch the energy much faster because I've been there. Uh, so that's sort of the spectrum of, of my coaching. It's it's life and uh, career coaching to empower. Empowerment is really at the bottom of it all. It's really creating the space that allows people to leap. That's great. And I encourage people to reach out, uh, reach out and contact them as we uh, mentioned on that email address and uh, this has been a really wonderful dialogue tonight uh, I think it's really going to help a lot of people who are dealing with so many things you know life can throw at us uh, so many different things and so many different situations we talk about you know making you know lemonade with the lemons of life so to speak and I yes. think that this show is going to help people to do so um, so we're going to um, – I'm going to do some show promotions at this point, and then we'll wrap up this show for tonight in a moment, as we had talked about uh, previously. Um, so Replenish Me, Cordelia Gaffar, Wednesday the 11th, one week from tonight, live at 7 p.m. That's the Life Coach Chat Channel. Money Magic, Money Magic with Golcon, Tuesday, September the 10th, live at 4 p.m. here on the East Coast, Life Coach Chat Channel. Check out their website for information on the upcoming episodes of both of those. Uh, 
Hunting Series. And Erica Weeder lights Monday is twice a month, 11.30 a.m. Eastern. That's also on the Life Coach chat channel. Or check out our website at wethelight.com. Uh, let's raise some money for Hurricane Dorian. And those who have been affected by a Catholic charity is 800-919-9338. www.salvationarmyus.org. Enter your zip code to help those in your local community. Samaritanspurse.org or 828-262-1980. Food for the Poor has done so much work because they're located in southern Florida. Food for the Poor, 800-427-9104 or www.foodforthepoor.org. And finally, MAP International, they're sending over crisis kits, uh, disaster relief type of kits that you can sponsor, you know, make a donation, you buy a certain number of kits they're going to send over to the Bahamas. MAP International, 800-225-8550, or www.nap, as in peter.org, to donate to that wonderful organization. And we started doing all those different types of, of public service uh, type of things for Hurricane Harvey back in the day that ravaged Texas. And there's so many things that the listeners have helped with. We raised so much money for the California wildfires. And we had Jenna Poneman on, who was a California native. There's so many things that we've done. Please help. This uh, storm was tre- tremendously uh, impactful to people, and they're dealing with grief now. So that donation can help them to rise from that grief. We want to thank Audible.com for being such a wonderful sponsor. Uh, I want to thank them for the sponsorship of the program. So in summing up tonight's show, you know, being inclusive, removing yourself from those shackles of life, allowing yourself the ability to collaborate and help others, not looking at the quick fix that can maybe come from a pill or a medication. As Namrata said, you know, drowning that internal silence. We've talked so many times about how Harvard even proved that in that study that the human brain needs quiet to think and to listen to the voice of God. Everything that creates the divide fixes the divide. I love that. I love when you said that. So, and it's true, <laughs> you know, and we have Thank to you. come to a place of not judgment and empower each other to rise above. And that's how we will live in harmony and live in love and inclusiveness and live truly undivided. Namrata, do you have anything uh, you want to share as far as um, uh, before we close off for tonight? Frank, I, I thank you for the opportunity. Um, I don't know if we have the time. I'd love to share a poem that I thought about uh, as a result of the conversation we've had here, only if we have the time to be able to engage in it. Um, but other than that, I'm just grateful, grateful, grateful. And I look forward to hearing from people that would love to sort of uh, interact and, and, and gain mutually. Because every time I coach, it's not a one-way street, right? I gain from every single coaching interaction to become who myself is is sort of rising to become through this journey of life. So I thank everyone that's ever considered me as a coach. Uh, I thank all of my coaches. I thank you, Frank, and I definitely look forward to uh, connecting with the audience uh, more often. Absolutely. We are all each other's student and teacher, and, and absolutely, uh, if you would like to read your poem, that would be, uh, it would be an honor. Wonderful. 
Well, this is a, this is sort of a poem that I call God's Dance. Uh, it's special, and it was written, you know, in the middle of my pain. I've got a spectrum that goes from very, very sort of deep and dark into light, right? So rising from the pain. Uh, but this is somewhere in the middle where I realized that we have to go inside to be able to rise. So this is called God's Dance, and it goes like this. Dark night, horizon bright, possibilities like stars that shine anew. It takes darkness, a little bit of sadness, and lots of hope to make it through. As you walk the path of lonely trails, unraveling your soul as this journey is made, tuned into the fragility of life, a finite path with happiness and strife. Indifference to the circumstance, enlightened minds participating in God's orchestrated dance. You may not know the steps, but the rhythm will chime, embed into your subconscious mind. Once you hear the music and tap your toes, you will bounce to this rhythm even if nobody knows. The reason for your limitless smiles and the peace and calm as you cover the miles. Finite then spells this life you know, but your eternal soul forever on the go. You will glisten and you will shine once you open the doors of your inner divine. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that as a poet. The poetry that we write is like sharing a piece of our soul. So I'm really, really honored that you would share that tonight and both with, with myself and with the audience here. And for more about Namrata's poetry and her and her work, please feel free to reach out to her. And I really hope that we can read some of her work, you know, in the days and months to come. And um, I want to thank her for being on the show, for being such a great and well-prepared guest. I've <laughs> so enjoyed getting to know you over the past few months. So thank, thank you, you so much for... Thank you, thank Frank. You, you are the inspiration. Uh, likewise. Thank you. Thank you so much, and I want to thank the audience for listening and for staying with us. Uh, please check out my practice and frankjimmitterycoaching.com, uh, uh, frankjimmitterry Frank professional coaching on Facebook. My books are on Amazon, The Reflections of the Passion, Modern Guide to the Stations of the Cross, and also my poetry collection, The Promise of Tomorrow, are both available on Amazon. And as I had mentioned before, uh, I'll be back with you all uh, again for another live show in two weeks. Uh, my next show will be uh, episode 54 of Undivided will be Wednesday, September the 18th with Kara Sachs. That's Wednesday the 18th, live at 7 p.m. And again, as I mentioned before earlier in the show, but for those who might have missed it, it's going to be about the stigma surrounding disabilities and people that are, are have uh, physical and and other disabilities and how our society kind of uh, misunderstands that and how we could live uh, more undivided and more in harmony around that. So that's going to be our topic. Please send me some feedback at undividedshow at gmail.com. And again, I thank my listeners uh, near and far. And uh, for Russ Terry, for Danica Trouble, for all my fellow co-hosts here on the Life Coach Radio Network, this has been Undivided episode number 53, Rising from Grief. And until I catch you again on the airways in two weeks, as always, be blessed and be well. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes Only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 